Good morning, church. Hi. My name is Jeremy Hetzel. I'm the director of student ministries here at Family of Christ, and we are going to dig into James. I don't know what week this is that we've been in James, but we have only two more chapters, and we're doing three verses, maybe five verses today, so it should only take us through December. (laughs) Just kidding. We'll be done by end of September. All right, so as I was preparing for message today, I was just doing a bunch of different research. Sometimes God kind of just takes the message and just kind of kerplunks it in my head, and other times I, I really have to work at it to to hear, understand, what does he want me to say, what needs shared, what are these verses trying to say. So as I was doing research, I came across this picture of a t-shirt that I'd like to show. Life is a walk through a minefield. Watch your step. Life is a walk through a minefield. I would like you to take a minute with the people you are sitting next to and discuss whether you agree or disagree with this statement. Go. All right, those who agree with this statement, raise your hand. A lot of you. Those who disagree with this statement, raise your hand. Fewer of you. All right, for those who agree, I need a spokesperson to say loud and clear why they agree with this statement. God. God. What about God? That's a great answer. It's so appropriate here at church. Jesus. That's our intern, Kevin. Thanks, buddy. He's learned and grown a lot this summer. Yes, I agree, Kevin. All right, other, other people that want to speak, it was loud and clear, too. Good job. Followed through. Anyone else have any reason why they might agree with this statement? Choices we make can lead us in traps. Temptation is everywhere. And would you say temptation is a minefield? I'm just checking. I agree. All right, those who disagree with this statement, why? No one disagrees anymore? Everyone's on board, 100%. Huh? Perception, what do you mean perception, Aaron? What do you perceive to be a minefield? Okay, I agree. Any other thoughts on why you might disagree with this statement? God. Oh my gosh, the whole place is full of comedians. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Um, so, really, I agree that whatever you perceive about this statement is true. Because either you look at it and you go, there's tons of temptation around, there's lots of different things that can get us into trouble, we need to be careful, so there's minefields. But also, as someone said eloquently at 8 o'clock, this is coming from a fear-based standpoint. There's a minefield, oh, watch your step, we're all scared. We're not, we're not called to be afraid. We're called to trust in Jesus. So, 
thinking about this, so you would have been right whichever way you answered. 100%, everyone, easy quiz, good job. So as we go to James chapter 3, and as we read our text for today, what I'd like for you to do is as we read, watch for some things that might be minefields in the text. And before I do that, I have two questions I want to ask as you're going to James chapter 3, for those of you who brought Bibles. Um, are we called to provide for our family? Yes? Are we called to do our best in all things that we strive to do? Okay, just checking. Remember that. All right. James chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness." Any minefields that you saw in that text? See any? Shout it out. Selfish ambition. That was one. Envy. Right. Has any of us ever struggled with envy? Envy is that thing where you look at someone else's life and you go, ugh, I want that. I want that to be me. Um, example. Is anyone in this room right now looking at me and going, man, I want Jeremy's life? <laughs> man, I just, I want to be up here every week preaching God's word. Would you like to be my age? <laughs> you don't even know how old I am. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so we look at people's lives and we go, oh, I want that. Now, let's say that you, are, you have your own business, okay? And you are competing with other businesses and you see another business that is doing really well. It's pretty natural in that moment to be envious. Or let's say you have a coworker and this coworker just got the promotion you wanted. It's really easy to be envious. What if you've worked your butt off and you've worked so hard for your business or your job and you can't quite get there? That's hard. And we get to this point where there's this thin line between working so hard, because is ambition good? Ambition is great. It helps us accomplish things. We need ambition. But when ambition crosses over from I'm doing this to serve God and provide for my family to I want to be the greatest ever, you get to a certain point where it's crossed over and that's become your God. Okay? So, I want us to see very clearly that we are called to provide for our families and we are called to do our best. But focusing on that can very easily go to envy or ambition, and then we've hit a minefield, okay? Then we have hit trouble in our life. So the question from our text is, what can help us navigate these paths in life that can just cause us to go off track? 
Let's read in James chapter 3, verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom is what helps us navigate life well. I can promise you that for those who live wisely, they have less trouble. Does that mean that they have no trouble? No, everyone has trouble. But if you live wisely, you have less trouble. If you live unwisely, it's like you gather up trouble. Ha, <laughs> it's gonna get more trouble, because I love it. No, we don't wanna live that way. So where does wisdom come from? So I'm gonna throw off the guys in the back because I added a verse and it's not gonna be on the screen. So Proverbs chapter two, six to 10. If you have your Bibles, and I'm sorry it's not up on the screen, I just decided during, while we were singing that I wanted to include this. Proverbs chapter two, starting at verse six. says this. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair and every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. The Lord gives wisdom. He is the one that we need to look to to walk this path of life well. Okay? Keep that in mind. All right, so what is wisdom and how can it help? We obviously know we need it, but how does it honestly help us traverse this path that we are walking? Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We're going to do 10 verse 10. Does anyone know who wrote Ecclesiastes? Solomon did. Now, was Solomon a wise man? Hmm? Yes, he was. Was he a wise man his entire life? No. He was incredibly wise, probably the wisest person that has ever lived. And then he stopped pursuing wisdom and stopped pursuing Christ, and his life went off kilter till he had a thousand wives. I mean, some people would say that's success. I think that's not wise. <laughs> All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10 says this. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Now you read that and you go, um, there's no wisdom in that verse, Jeremy. Um... I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I, as a Hebrew scholar, would like to show this Hebrew word to you. Can anyone read that? <laughs> Wisdom? You guys are brilliant. God! You're also brilliant. So, this is the Hebrew word for Wisdom. I took Hebrew for a semester in undergrad, and it was my foreign language credit. 
it was pretty awesome. So I learned some. I don't know a lot. But this word, when you read it, it's pronounced chokmah. Now, when I did that at 8 o'clock, someone said I sounded like a Klingon. <laughs> chokmah. That's how you pronounce it. Now, you may say, how does Jeremy know Hebrew well enough to know that the word skill, when translated in that verse, is chokmah? I learned it on Blue Letter Bible. This is a website that you can go and look at any verse in the Bible and can see it's either Hebrew or Greek origin. And then you can click that and see where it's used in other places, and it's just really handy. So if you want to be a Hebrew scholar like me, look up Blue Letter Bible. So as I was looking at Blue Letter Bible, this word, chokmah, I'm sure I'm not saying it right, um, is used 149 times, I think, in the Old Testament. 145 of those times, it's translated wisdom. So I really don't understand why the NIV translated the word skill for that verse. If you look it up, someone else showed me afterwards, I think it's King James and ESV, it has wisdom in there. So, wisdom is a better translation. So, this verse should actually read, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but wisdom will bring success. So the question is, how will wisdom bring success? How does it do that? Well, if you just look at this example, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. So someone who is foolish can just keep chopping wood, and it will take them a very long time. Someone who is wise will stop and go, huh, I need my axe sharper and take the time to sharpen it, and then finish the job. Wisdom helps you navigate obstacles and miss minefields, okay? So, as I was thinking about wisdom this week, I wanted to figure out what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, okay? So, knowledge is facts and info. Lots of just stuff to know. Um, the Red Sox are in first place, in the Eastern Conference, their, their division. Thank you, one person who likes Red Sox like me. Um, and the Yankees are soon to be five and a half games behind. And I said that to Kevin in turn because he's a Yankees fan. So that's a fact, and that's something I know, okay? doesn't change my life. Wisdom is taking those facts and info and applying it properly. How to properly apply facts and info. So... I have a story I would like to share from my own life, and we can determine if I used wisdom or not, okay? So I was on a road trip to Missouri, and I was living here in Colorado Springs. So I had to drive through Kansas. Has anyone ever driven through Kansas? You're driving about 20 minutes and you have to pull over because you've killed 80,000 bugs. You have to scrape your windshield and you start driving again. So, I know I have this 12-hour drive, 12 hours, and I have just entered Kansas. I've maybe been in Kansas for like an hour, so I know I have seven more Kansas hours to go. 
And it doesn't matter if you look around, because you can see everything <laughs> in your peripheral vision. So I'm driving, and I'm bored, and as is often the case when I'm on the highway, I'm going five over the speed limit. Okay? It's five over. Um, people don't pull you over for five over. So I'm driving, and in the distance, because you can see so far in Kansas, I see a state trooper driving in front of me. Now, at this moment, I have several choices. I can slow down and go the speed limit. I can speed up and try to catch him. <laughs> Someone, some would say that's not very wise. Um, I can maintain my speed. I can pull over and watch him just drive for the next four miles. Um, so all of these things, you, you're driving. And I decide, <clears throat> well, the other bit of information that I have is that state troopers are paid to pull you over. Like it's their job to enforce laws. The speed limit was 75, and I was going 80. So I decided I still have seven more hours left. I'm going to test a theory I'm going to see if I can drive five miles over and see if he pulls me over. And I'm sure he won't because they don't pull people over for going five miles over. So I just maintain my seat. It's cruise control. And I was driving a 78 Cadillac sedan to Ville. So, like, it had plastic spinners. <laughs> it was legit. I'm driving, and I'm starting to catch up with him. Put my blinker on. And then I'm like, I'm done. I'm kidding. I did not wave. That would have been unwise. Passed him, got back over, and I'm still driving, and I just start looking in the rear view. Huh. Woo! So I pull over. He walks up. I roll down the window, and he's like, son, do you know the speed limit? I said, yes, sir, 75. And he said, uh, it's 70. <laughs> oh. Well, I thought it was 75. Can you just give me a, give me a break? Give me a warning because I, I thought? No. He gave me a ticket. So I still don't know if you can pass a trooper going five over and get a ticket or not. I still don't know. So if anyone knows. So all of that to say, I had knowledge. And did I employ wisdom? Uh, no. I, I got to my location and stopped, or I called on my cell phone, called home or something, and I just didn't want to tell my mom I got a ticket because I knew it was stupid. It was just dumb. But I learned my lesson on... And so now I never pass police cars going five over. I still go five over, I just don't pass them. <laughs> yeah, 10 over. I was, I must have missed it. I, would, I was dreaming about Susan, because that's who I was going to go see. And I must have just not even noticed that it was 70. Ding. All right. So, so do you see how wisdom helps us avoid problems. I, I ended up being later because I had got pulled over, and then I, I had to pay a ticket. So 
when we employ wisdom, then we avoid problems. And when we ignore wisdom, we just invite more trouble into our lives. So what do we, as Americans and as Christians, pursue more? Do we pursue knowledge more or do we pursue wisdom more? Knowledge. Our whole culture is set up to encourage us to pursue knowledge. Has anyone here ever gone to 12 years of wisdom training? No. What do we pursue? Knowledge. Two plus two is four. Four plus four is six. See if you're paying attention. So we pursue knowledge and we don't pursue wisdom. And when we pursue, and let me say this, there's plenty of people who don't pursue knowledge. Anyone here who goes to school right now in high school? Anyone try to miss class a lot? Or not do homework? Or sleep during class? Or not do their reading assignment? There's tons of hands up in the back. There's tons of students who don't even pursue knowledge. They pursue music, and cars, and friends, TV shows, and candy. Okay, we pursue all kinds of stuff, and we don't even pursue knowledge. But when we think, oh, I'll be a good, mature person, we pursue knowledge, and that's not even pursuing wisdom. Another example of what life looks like when maybe you pursue knowledge and not wisdom. Does anyone know who these celebrities are? That's Tiger Woods on the left. That is Robert Downey Jr. in the middle. And that is Lindsay Lohan on the right. Would you say that in their respective fields, they have a lot of knowledge? Tiger Woods, at one point was the greatest golfer in the world. He knew and had the skill, so skill being a big part of it, but he knew how to hit a golf ball well, what irons to use, how hard to hit it. He knew all that stuff to golf really well. But did he live his life wisely? We would say no, and look at his life now. So he, made, he pursued plenty of things that were not knowledge, but he didn't pursue wisdom. Robert Downey Jr. and Lindsay Lohan both have had drug struggles. So on one hand, I recognize that when you are rich, when you have all of your needs provided for, and you don't have wisdom, there's so much chance that you're going to live poorly because you're not living wisely. You're not using your funds wisely. You're not, you have everything you want at your fingertips. And you just make poor choices. My desire is for us as a people to learn to live wisely. You, your life may not look flashy. It may not be exciting or fun or um, full of pizzazz. But the people who live wisely have lives that are full of joy and peace and contentment. You look around and see people who have no drama, like almost ever, that's a wise person. And that doesn't mean that they don't have drama in their life, it means that they've handled that drama wisely, okay? <clears throat> Turn to James chapter one, verse five. So we read this early on when we started James. James 1, five. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, 
who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Have you ever asked God for wisdom? I remember when I read this scripture, maybe for the first time, I was in college, and I realized I should be asking God for wisdom. And so, really, for a long time, nearly every day, I prayed for wisdom. And I would like to say that I was instantly wise. That was not the case, because about four years later, I was driving in Kansas. <laughs> so, so it's a process, right? You grow and you learn. But ask God for wisdom, and he will give it. There's so many different areas in our lives that we need wisdom. Think about your finances. If you do not handle your finances well, your life can be a huge mess. Think about relationships. If you don't handle your relationships well, your married relationship or your kid relationships, and sometimes there's tons of minefields there, right? You say, hey, I want my kids to be a light to the world, and so they're going to be friends with kids who don't know Jesus and kids who do. Praise God. Well, what if those friends that don't know Jesus start influencing your kids in ways that you don't like? That's a minefield. How do you navigate and help them still be the light, but at the same time make wise choices with their friends? Or think about your time. Does anyone feel like they have no time? If you have no time, you can come help paint my house. Actually, we finished. So, if you have time struggles, right? Sometimes we're just so busy that we don't prioritize the stuff that's right. We got to be wise in our finances. We got to be wise in our relationships. We got to be wise with our time. God calls us to be wise. So what does a wise, wisely lived life look like? James, back to our text. James chapter 3, 17 to 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And do you see where that comes from? But the wisdom that comes from heaven. May we be a people who strive to live wisely, where people look at our lives and we go, man, that's pretty boring. They never have drama because we've made wise choices, because we have navigated minefields, because we have prayed, God, give me wisdom in this situation. I don't know what to do. And sometimes God will call you to do, go a different direction that you never had any clue about. He'll say, yeah, the world wants you to zig. I want you to zag. May we be a people that are so passionate about following Jesus and are so full of wisdom that those around us go, I want a life like them. Let's not look like the world. Let's pursue wisdom and not knowledge only. Let's be wise. Amen.